Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 321 Endurance Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Wiley, and this is a show where I talk to all sorts of interesting endurance athletes, literally from all over the world. Um, we have opportunities to talk to folks with super inspiring journeys and stories to share and help inspire. Um, today's episode is brought to you by BocoGear.com. BocoGear has the best running hats and accessories that money can buy. I don't look good in a hat, but I look good in a Boko Gear hat. You will too. So go to BocoGear.com. And very excited to bring on our next guest. He is an NPTI trainer. He's a CrossFit Level 1 trainer. He is a USA Triathlon Level 1 coach. He's also an age group triathlete himself. And he is a gym owner of the Basement Fitness in Delaware, Please join me in welcoming my next guest, Greg Cephas. Greg, how are you, sir? I'm good, Patrick. How's it going, man? It's going well. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure you have a busy training schedule over at the gym, but it's it's great to be able to connect with you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. So maybe in, in just a, a quick minute or so here, uh, give our viewers and our listeners, you know, uh, who's Greg Cephas and, and what's your business and what are you all about? Um, so, I've, I mean, right now, I mean, Greg Cephas is an age group triathlete, as you mentioned. Um, I started my uh, my gym, my basement fitness back in 2013. Um, so I've had it for about nine years now. Um, you know, things are a little bit slow now uh, because of COVID kind of knocked everything out like a, a lot of things. Um, so basically, I've just been looking for different avenues to continue to train and to continue to, you know, train and motivate others. Um, I'm currently the fitness coordinator at the Central YMCA. Um, so I was able to, you know, land this job here and, you know, we have plans uh, moving forward to hopefully introduce uh, triathlon to, to the inner city youth here in Wilmington, Delaware. So that's one of the biggest things that I've been working on right now. And being in this position has helped me um, be able to kind of put that push and push that agenda forward. That's fantastic. Um, you know, let's talk about this here for a second. Uh, you know, obviously you're a small business owner. I'm a small business owner myself. COVID was tough on everybody. Um, how, how did you navigate this as a gym owner? Because you were one of the industries that were hit particularly harder than others. So what were you doing to, you know, keep the money rolling in um, and, and, you know, being able to do what you love to do? Um, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, it did hit a lot of gym owners and especially for small gyms like myself, like kind of consider like the boutique gyms or studio gyms. Um, you know, it, it, it seemed to me like we were there. We were the ones who kind of got forgotten about. Um, you know, you had a lot of the bailouts with the airline industry, the restaurant industry and all kinds of other corporations, stuff like that. But the small uh, little, you know, quote unquote box gym owners were kind of like the last in line and, you know, even forgot about. Um, so we, you know, I have a bunch of friends who had gyms and it's one of those things where we kind of had to get creative and bounce ideas off of each other. Um, you know, one of the things I was able to do was I was able to um, start up the online coaching with True, with True Coach. Uh, so that kind of helped me out a little bit. Um, and for a while there, I was doing, um, you know, Instagram live videos. So like we called it the breakfast, uh, we call it the basement uh, lunch break or happy hour. So we would hop on at around noon every day and, you know, so a lot of my members who were quarantined at their house in the beginning, we would all patch in the Instagram live and we would all do the workouts together. And that was a way to kind of keep, you know, myself motivated and kind of keep the others motivated. And it seemed to work out pretty well. A lot of the members loved it. And a lot of them tuned in. 
That's fantastic. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me how you're able to build these communities through social media and, and you were able to, to keep your business going and keep your clients, uh, you know, training. That's fantastic. Um, is the training that you're doing at your gym primarily functional fitness focused? I, I mean, I know you have your, your L1 CrossFit trainer. Uh, you know, you're doing, you have some other certifications, uh, triathlon L1 coach. Um, what's the philosophy at the basement? Uh, so yeah, you're absolutely right. It's all pretty much functional training. Um, the only machines that we have at the gym are rowers and your body. You know what I mean? So we use a lot of kettlebells, dumbbells, body weight stuff. Um, with the level course at level one coaching, it, it, coaching cert, it allowed me to um, train members who were interested in CrossFit, but didn't want to dive completely into the CrossFit um, mindset. Um, so we were able to, I was able to use that cert certification to train some of my members. We went to a couple CrossFit competitions, did very well at those competitions, um, not being affiliated with CrossFit, which is always good. Um, but anything that's going to be, you know, functional wise and, you know, anything that's going to help out with the, tri the sport of triathlon, because at the end of the day, you know, when you're out there, you are you are the machine. You know what I mean? None of like, like the bike doesn't work. Your wetsuit doesn't work. Your running shoes don't work if the machine, which is your body, isn't working. Um, so, you know, my, my main focus and philosophy is, you know, eliminate as many machines as far as like, the chest press and the circuit style machines as possible and just train your body to be the machine. That, that's amazing. And, it, you know, you, you hit it right on the head there is, you know, you're, you're, you're training your body to be a machine. And me personally, as a triathlete, that's how I feel. I like, that's what I feel like while I'm out there on the course or I'm out there training um, in the garage or, or wherever I'm at. It, you really do become a machine when you focus on all of these different avenues between functional fitness and multi-sport. It, it really is amazing. Um, but have you always done this? Have you always been an athlete? Uh, you know, have you always been a triathlete? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a, that's kind of a funny story. So in high school, I played uh, football and lacrosse and, you know, back in high school, my, 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 my mindset was to only run up and being chased. So I, so, so the, the long distance running and just kind of running for no reason never really appealed to me. Um, but once I became a personal trainer, once I graduated from MPTI in 2008, um, I actually ended up linking up with uh, the head lacrosse coach for Archmere Academy at the time. His name is Noel Breger. He's one, a huge influence in my life, a huge mentor for me. Um, a lot of places where I've been and where I'm at, I attribute completely to him. Um, he was one of the people who believed in me, um, gave me a shot. And, and most times that's all we need, right? So he was one of those people. So he brought me over, um, you know, had me uh, be an assistant strength conditioning coach for his lacrosse team, his high school lacrosse team. Um, from there, uh, you know, it was one of those things where, what are you doing in the, in the, in the fall? Um, uh, nothing really, coach. All right, well, I'm, I'm also the head coach for, you know, a cross-country team in high school. So he brought me over there with him. Um, so I was, you know, kind of introduced me more to, to the long-distance running. Um, so I was an assistant coach for him there for four years. Um, but then from there, he was able to bring me on as an assistant coach with him down at um, Smoky Mountain Running Camp, which is a Nike camp in Asheville, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So I was an assistant Nike, Nike, run, Nike camp running coach for about three, three, maybe four years. Um, and, and he just kind of brought me along wherever he went and introduced me to, you know, the sport of running. I fell in love with it. Always kind of had an interest in triathlon, but I always kind of, you know, seemed to put it on the back burner. Um, I got into the OCR racing for a while there and obstacle course racing and stuff like that, Spartan, um, Savage races and stuff like that. 
Um, but I was always kind of, you know, looking for a little bit more. And triathlon was always seen to be one of those sports that was kind of calling me to it. You know, I love riding bikes when I was a you know, younger kid. And now I had found this new love for, for, for running. So it only kind of made sense to kind of put those things together. And then eventually, you know, I was, you know, was curious. I have one of my best friends um, who's in the National Guard. He was he, he started doing triathlons. So me and him were kind of talking back and forth. And he was kind of persuading me. Um, another one of my friends named Mel had joined uh, the local triathlon club here in Delaware, um, Tri-Dogs Multi-Sport Club. So she was kind of pushing me in that direction. And it was one of those things where I, when I was, was ready, I just kind of made that leap. Um, I joined the triathlon club, uh, Tri-Dogs Multi-Sport Club. Um, you know, my, my friend Roy, who was who was the, one of the ones who spearheaded this, had deployed over to um, overseas. Um, and it was one of those things where he kind of kept me responsible and kind of kept me accountable, you know, when I came to my swimming and stuff like that. So everything kind of blended itself together. You know, I had the natural interest in it, but I also had the outside push to jump into it as well. Mm, that's that's very similar to almost how I got pulled into it, at least starting with, you know, the OCR races. Um you know, when I, when I made the decision to get fit again, you know, later in life, that's what I went to first. But like you said, um, you know, you wanted something more, right? So there was always a little something more that I wanted to, and it seemed like triathlon was it. So, you know, uh, and I'm still new to this, uh, but it sounds like you've been doing it for a little while. Uh, what, what races have you had the opportunity to, to be a part of and, and to participate in? Uh, so I think I started back um, about six years ago, I want to say, and that kind of was, you know, just kind of getting my feet wet with the sprints. Um, and then from there, I think my second year in, um, I was fortunate enough to qualify for USA Triathlon uh, Age Group Nationals. Um, they were out in Cleveland, Ohio. So I was able to go out and compete in that. Um, uh, from there, I was able to, the following year, maybe two years after that, I, was, I finally decided to make that leap into the half Ironman distance. Um, so I competed at Eagle Man. Um, so I've done the half Ironman there. Um, a couple of other, I've done New Jersey straight triathlon. Um, and I've also, last year, I went up and competed in the tri NYC triathlon. Um, but we have a couple other ones, like small local events under DQ um, that I'm a really big fan of. And I try to do my best to kind of support like the local mom and pop triathlon circuits. Um, and even so with COVID, because it's one of, one of those things, again, where, you know, we, you know, the mom and pop seem to be, the, the, the organizations and setups that kind of got forgotten. So anything that I can do to kind of support those local, you know, mom and, mom and pop grassroots um, triathlon organizations, I do my best to do that. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, it, it's important to do that too, because, you know, it's so easy to think, you know, when you want to get involved in triathlon, you go to Ironman or challenge family, or, or now there's clash, um, mm -hmm. all these big organizations and, and you're throwing down a lot of money to go to these races. Uh, and they're large organizations. So it's nice to be able to support local triathlons. I think it's important for, for people who are new to the sport too, to know that, you know, you don't have to do these big brand races because there are local companies pretty much in every corner of the United States. Yep. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. So what keeps you motivated? Um, you know, maybe not even motivated, maybe it's more disciplined, but what, what keeps you inspired to put your body through the ringer and and continue to train for triathlons and these races i mean i know you're a gym owner so that's got to help at least maintain your fitness levels um having access to a facility like that but what is it the driving force behind uh your dedication to this sport 
Um, I think the, the probably the, the main thing that keeps me motivated is always looking for that next challenge, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's one of those things where, you know, you start off with the sprint triathlons and you're always looking to see like, okay, I, I pushed my body to this. Now, can I push my body to that? And then once you do that, okay, can I push my body to that? So I think it's that constant push that we, you know, that we have inside of us that kind of keeps me motivated and disciplined. And also too, like, you know, I have a huge support um, you know, a huge support system when it comes to, you know, the things that I do with triathlon, you know, people like yourself who reach out with support, you know what I mean? So things like that are like the main, one of the main driving factors um, for, you know, me continue to do triathlon. And also too, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, the African-American communities is underrepresented in these sports and in these spaces. So also one of the biggest things that motivates me is to, you know, be able to be that visual for people who look like me, who are interested in this sport, but not sure if it's one of those things that they want to do because they don't see us represented in these sports. Yeah, that that's powerful. Um, you know, we were talking off camera, uh, you know, I've, I've haven't done a ton of races. I've, I've done quite a few since I, I got involved in 2019, but you really don't see many, if at all black triathletes, or, you know, in, endurance athletes in general um, in the United States, I guess, for some reason, or, or in this area. I mean, obviously, we have, you know, some of the best runners in the world from Africa and, and, and stuff like that. But triathlon, why, why do you think there's a disconnect there between participation and, 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 and the representation? Um, so I think there's a couple of different things, right? Um, I think, you know, if we want to start back to the beginning of it, um, I think one of the biggest things is access to pools in underserved communities and communities of color. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you go to, you know, other neighborhoods and suburban neighborhoods, there's, the, you know, there's a, you know, there, there's, a, there's a swim club or something mm -hmm. in every neighborhood and development there. That's one of the things that we don't have down here in the city. Um, so I think, you know, having the access to those tools could, you know, end up producing more not just triathletes, but swimmers overall, mm. you know what I mean? So I think it, if it's, it has to start there and then once it starts there, then having the access to the other tools and the other resources, um, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, you know, if you, if you, and if you kind of look a little bit further, it's like I mentioned before is having that representation, you know mm. what I mean? Seeing people that look like you doing the things that you're interested in doing. Um, because I, you know, I've talked to, you know, a lot of people who I've, who I'm friends with the traffic community that aren't black, you know, they say, oh, well, you know, st stuff is kind of pricey, stuff is kind of expensive. That's not typically always true because that's kind of insinuating that people of color don't have the money to spend on this stuff, mm -hmm. which is not the case at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a part of, you know, uh, another local group up in Philly called uh, KRT and QRT, Kings Rule Together and uh, Queens Rule Together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a it's it's a mixed group of riders that was founded by um, a couple of, of of black cyclists who were getting into cycling, mm -hmm. and so the the amount of bikes that I see the, the the amount of bikes that I see that are high end bikes on these rides these group rides it kind of debunks that whole theory and notion that you know black people or African Americans can't afford these high priced bikes because I'm telling you man I see them yeah I mean I see them, I, I I see the the, the Madones and I see the specialized tarmax out there with the custom paint jobs you know what I mean. I mean so I think it's one of those things where if we start to see more of us doing these activities, doing these triathlons, and not just seeing us do them in person,
but actually seeing these major triathlon companies like the Rudy projects, mm -hmm. you know, like the Sorello, like the, you know, specialized and stuff like that, get behind, you know, the, the, these black athletes who are coming up on the circuit. I think you'll see a lot more representation with that. Yeah. And, you know, as, as a side note, I, I can kind of just, just back what you're saying there, you know, I am obviously not a black athlete and I'm, I'm riding a bike that I found on Facebook marketplace for like 300 bucks. You know, it's not, not, not every, everybody in triathlon in general is going to have a high end bike. Uh, you know what I mean? So I, I, mm -hmm. I think it's important, uh, that you continue to do what you're doing on Instagram and, and definitely being one of those faces out there. Um, you know, but you mentioned corporate representation too with the the big companies specialized in cervello and you know i don't i don't know their marketing well enough to know if if they're including um, you know black athletes in their marketing campaigns and, and things of that nature i'm sure that would help um but what needs to happen to to bridge the gap between you know those companies and and rising black triathletes what needs to happen there to to get them on board with sponsorships or whatever that is um, I mean, I'm, look, I'm going to be completely blunt about about this. I mean, it's going to have it's going to be have to be them wanting to actually do it. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, like they, there are athletes who are doing this. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how the, you know, their marketing team and their promotional teams work as far as being on the ground. Um, but you can I mean, you could go to these races and, you know, and scout and find, you know, black athletes who are doing this. So it's going to have to be one of those things that they're going to actually have to want to do it. Um, and not really expect a, a huge financial return immediately. Um, because, you know, it's one of those things where with anything, if like if, if, if any athlete has the resources to be good, they're going to be good. Mm. Um, so offering those resources, you know, to African-Americans and black people in this sport, I think is going to be a huge, um, you know, a, a, a huge push to actually get more representation, you know, in the sport. Mm. So, yeah, it's a lot more than just a, a lot of the lip service that that I think has been going on with a lot of mm -hmm. corporations. And, you know, they really need to put the where their money where their mouth is. And if they are going to be socially responsible, they they should prove it. And and I, I feel like this is a great way for them to do that. But like you said, they have to want to do that and not just say it in their their mission statement and in their vision statements and all of this stuff. Um so, yeah, I mean, obviously we can't solve all of the world's problems here in 25 minutes, but it's definitely mm -hmm. important to shed light on that and, and you know, um, give a spotlight to those who are underrepresented in the sport. So I, I commend you for that and encourage you to, to continue on and in, in, in doing what you're doing. Um, you know, what advice would you give to, uh, you know, an underrepresented athlete who, who is in the inner city or not, maybe even not in the inner city and wants to get involved with triathlon, but again, feels underrepresented. Uh, one big piece of advice is I would take is, is offer is to, is to go out and, you know, actually, you know, try to jump in, try to find these organizations like the YMCA's or, you know, your local community centers that are offering you know, these swim lessons, because swim is a huge component of triathlon, but it's also a huge component that's lacking in, in the inner city and in and, and underrepresented communities. So doing that and learning and learning that, and just also to not be, not to be afraid to go into spaces where there aren't a lot of people that look like you, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause any given, you know, triathlon that I go to, you know, I may be one of four, you know, mm -hmm. there, there's been, there's been situations where I've went to and I was literally the only one. 
Um, so not being afraid to step into those spaces that make you uncomfortable, um, I think would be a, a huge piece of advice that I would offer um, to um, athletes who are interested in doing triathlon and look like myself. Yeah, I, I love that because, you know, uh, on a different note, I, I got involved with triathlon and, and running to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know, physically uncomfortable. But I think there's something to be said there with with pushing yourself into these areas where, you know, you aren't comfortable and maybe you're the only one, but you're going to be better for it and others will be better for it down the road, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, let, let me let me do this. Let's let's revert over and, and back to the basement fitness. Um, you know, where in Maryland are, are you located? Um, you know, how many classes are you running a day? Uh, give us the rundown on that. Uh, yeah, so we're located in uh, Claymont, Delaware. And, um, you know, right now, like I said, with COVID kind of there was a hang up with things right now. So I'm not back to training the volume that I was training. Um, and like I mentioned too, I have a full-time job with the Central YMCA. So right now I'm basically just doing the group classes on Monday, Wednesdays, and Saturday mornings uh, for the members who kind of stuck with me and stayed loyal. Um, so that's kind of what we're doing, you know, at when, Monday nights, Wednesday nights, and Saturday mornings. Um, it seemed to be working out for everybody because, you know, as people are starting to come out of their house from working, you know, in the house for the last two years, a lot of people's schedules are kind of kind of you know all over the place so we kind of just kind of get together on a group chat and say hey who's willing to who's ready to come in today who wants to come in tomorrow and that's kind of how we've been going going about it right now until things maybe pick back up awesome uh and do you have anything on the calendar this year that that's exciting any big races that you have planned for and that you're training for right now uh, so yeah, so basically, um, the one big race that I have locked in right now is Eagle Man. So I'll be going back down to Cambridge, Maryland, um, to do the half Iron Man uh, down there. Um, I have a couple of road races on the schedule. We, uh, we we have a race here in Delaware called the Wilmington Grand Prix. Um, it's a it's a it's a it's a time trial race on Friday, and it's a um, a crit race on Saturday, and then we have the Fondo and the Governor's Ride on Sunday. Um, so that's that's a road race that I'm going to jump into in May. Um, so it looks like I'm going to end up doing the Fondo and the the the, the time trial race. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I'm kind of like a last minute signer upper. Um, so you know, I have I have all these plans for different races that I that I'm looking to do. But I'm I'm one of those people that kind of like, oh crap, I got to jump in and sign up for this race before, um, right before it happens. So you know, like, like I mentioned before. Um, there's always races with like DQ events and smaller smaller venues like that that I jump in um, last minute. Um, I did the Medford Lakes is in, in August is what I do is a DQ event. And that's kind of like my anniversary race. That was my actual first triathlon. Um, so that's with, with, with the swim, uh, bike and a run. So I kind of go back every year and, 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 and do that race, you know, as an anniversary race for myself. Um, I wasn't able to do it, uh, last year because I had, I ended up catching COVID. So my body wasn't ready, ready for that. Um, so about one, but I ended up going up and spectating because I had a, a couple of my, um, couple of the members of KRT, the, the Philly group, cycling group that decided they want to jump into triathlon for the first time. So it was, you know, it was good to go out there and support, you know, my brothers with KRT who decided to jump in and actually start to be a, in, and add more faces to this space that we're underrepresented in. Awesome. And, and is there, is there going to be a full distance race on the horizon anytime soon? Uh, um, so I'm, I'm kind of giving myself a little bit, a little bit more time when it comes to that. Um, I, I turned 38 years old in, 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 in January. 
You look um, good so for 38, that, man. I'm telling thanks, you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, so that was kind of be my 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 40th birthday. So we're we're aiming for we're aiming for the big 4-0 uh, yes, to be sir. a full distance Ironman to give myself a little bit more time to kind of mentally prepare for that training. Um, because with my triathlon club, uh, Tri Dog Marching Sport Club, they, we have a a lot of people who who do pretty much everyone does the full distance stuff, and I'm not I'm not I'm not caught up to that just yet. But yeah, no, that sounds like it'd be uh, quite the 40th birthday for sure. Uh, so Greg, it was great getting to know you. Really appreciate you giving me some of your time here. Uh, where can everybody find you uh, and, and connect with you to learn more about you and your business? Uh, so basically I'm on Instagram at, uh, at, at try me uh, The basement is the basement is the basement underscore fitness. Um, so you can check us out on Instagram. Um, that's where we primarily do a lot of our stuff on there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Greg. It was a pleasure speaking with you and hopefully we can catch up with you sometime down the road. All right. Thanks, Patrick. I appreciate it. Take care. There you have it, folks. That was Greg Cephas. Great person, uh, triathlete, man, impressive business owner, and he's really doing some fantastic things for his community and being uh, a source of representation for those who are underrepresented in the sport of triathlon. So go check him out at Try Me Seif on Instagram. And thank you for listening or watching to this episode of the 321 Endurance Podcast. Please like, comment, subscribe, share, and we'll see you next time.